Hey future doctors, welcome to episode 3 of season 4. We have a great episode for you on sex chromosome disorders and disorders of sexual development. Let's let the hosts introduce themselves and take it away. Hope you enjoy. Hey future doctors, thanks for tuning in to Spoonful of Sugar, a podcast made for medical students by medical students to help the medicine go down. My name is Rachel Garza. I'm a third year student at Western University of Health Sciences in California. I'll be your host for today's episode reviewing sex chromosome disorders and disorders of sexual development. The list of conditions we'll be discussing today is not exhaustive, but it should cover some high-yield points on this topic. During this podcast episode, I'll be using male and female to refer to genotypic and phenotypic sex, setting aside discussion of gender identity for now. Throughout this episode, I'll be asking lots of questions. I encourage you to pause and answer questions with me. Remember that we're all learning, so please don't get disheartened if you don't answer correctly. Let's start by going over some basic terminology. Generally, individuals have 23 pairs of chromosomes, 22 autosomal pairs, and one pair of sex chromosomes. Genetic males have X and Y sex chromosomes. Genetic females have X and X. These chromosomes are responsible for genotypic sex determination. However, the phenotypic sex is determined by primary sexual characteristics and secondary sexual characteristics. What do I mean when I say primary sexual characteristics? So primary sexual characteristics refer to genitalia and gonads. What about secondary sexual characteristics? Secondary sexual characteristics refer to breast and muscle development, body hair, fat distribution, etc. The two types of disorders we will be discussing today are sex chromosome disorders and disorders of sexual development, or DSDs. Sex chromosome disorders refer to absence or excess of sex chromosomes. DSDs, remember that's disorders of sexual development, refer to discrepancy between an individual's genotypic and phenotypic sex. Let's start by talking about sex chromosome disorders, which occur due to aneuploidy, which means missing or extra chromosomes. What's the process by which aneuploidy occurs? So I'm referring to non-disjunction. Remember, non-disjunction can occur in egg or sperm during meiosis 1 or 2 when a chromosome pair or sister chromatid do not split apart. This results in offspring receiving either two chromosomes from one parent and one from the other, this is resulting in trisomy, or one chromosome from one parent and none from the other, resulting in monosomy. The first of these sex chromosome disorders that we will be discussing is the most undiagnosed, as these individuals have normal fertility are, and are considered the most phenotypically normal. Any guesses for the genotype of these individuals? So I'm referring to XYY syndrome, which results in a phenotypic normal male individual with normal fertility. And for that reason, 
they are the most undiagnosed of the sex chromosome disorders. XYY can result in males that are tall with severe acne, and they may be associated with learning disabilities and autism spectrum disorder. What about a patient presenting for evaluation of infertility, who on exam is a tall male with small firm testes? What condition am I describing? So this clinical presentation matches the description for Kleinfelter syndrome. Do you remember the genotype for someone with Kleinfelter syndrome? So the genotype for someone with Kleinfelter syndrome is XXY, sometimes more X chromosomes, which is actually associated with a more severe presentation. The karyotype will show bar bodies indicating inactivation of extra X chromosomes. Individuals with Kleinfelter syndrome are considered genetically male, presenting with what's described as a eunuchoid body shape. This is a tall, slim body shape with long extremities and decreased muscle mass. The long extremities are due to delayed epiphyseal closure, leading to increased length of long bones. Symptoms of Kleinfelter syndrome are most apparent at puberty or when trying to conceive. Why would Kleinfelter syndrome cause infertility? So Kleinfelter syndrome results in abnormal development of the seminiferous tubules of the testes, which results in less inhibin B released from Sertoli cells and less testosterone released from Leydig cells, resulting in increased FSH and LH, respectively. This, combined with the extra chromosome, leads to increased estrogen production. These patients will have frequent azospermia. Additional findings on clinical presentation for someone with Kleinfelter syndrome can include gynecomastia, reduced facial, body, and genital hair, and poor social skills. Kleinfelter syndrome is also associated with a few more serious complications. Can you think of what these complications might be? So Kleinfelter syndrome is associated with mitral valve prolapse, increased risk of breast and testicular cancer, and metabolic syndrome. All right, moving on to the last sex chromosome disorder we will be discussing. What condition might I be describing if I said you had a patient that was a short stature female with webbed neck, broad chest, and widely spaced nipples? So this Clinical presentation could describe someone with Turner syndrome. What's the genotype of someone with Turner syndrome? So the genotype of someone with Turner syndrome may be written as XO. The O is to say this is monosomy, just one X chromosome, for a total of 45 chromosomes. There are no bar bodies, 
In other words, there are no inactive X chromosomes. We just have one active X chromosome. So XO is the genotype for Turner syndrome. Non-disjunction of Turner syndrome genotype may occur during meiosis or mitosis. Meiosis errors usually occur in paternal gametes where the sperm is missing the sex chromosome. Mitosis errors occur after zygote formation, resulting in loss of sex chromosome in some but not all cells. This is called a mosaic karyotype of 45X, 46XX. Mosaicism is associated with increased risk of gonadoblastoma. In addition to the clinical presentation I previously described of someone with a webbed neck, short stature, broad chest, and widely spaced nipples, some other clinical presentations of individuals with Turner syndrome include high arched palate and shortened fourth metacarpals. Individuals with Turner syndrome experience infertility due to poor ovarian development. Can you recall the term used to describe the ovaries of individuals with Turner syndrome? So they may be described as streak ovaries. Streak ovaries contain connective tissue instead of germ cells, leading to deficiencies of estrogen and progesterone. These individuals are still capable of pregnancy and carrying to term through IVF with donor eggs and hormone supplementation. Diagnosis of Turner syndrome includes evaluating the clinical presentation, karyotyping, and hormonal analysis. Let's think about that last part, hormonal analysis. How do you think Turner syndrome affects levels of estrogen, LH, and FSH? So generally, they'll have decreased estrogen and increased LH and FSH. What does this combination of hormone levels make you think of? So again, that was decreased estrogen, increased LH and FSH. So these hormone levels might make you think of menopause. Turner syndrome is the most common cause of primary amenorrhea. In fact, according to first aid, for individuals with Turner syndrome, menopause occurs before menarche. What congenital cardiac defects are associated with Turner syndrome? So Turner syndrome is associated with bicuspid aortic valves, which actually increases the risk of early aortic stenosis. Turner syndrome is also associated with coarctation of the aorta, which results in brachial femoral delay. And there's also increased risk of aortic dissection and increased incidence of hypertension. Can you remember which renal abnormality is associated with Turner syndrome? So there's a higher incidence of horseshoe kidneys in which the inferior poles of both kidneys fuse, and as they ascend from the pelvis during fetal development, they become trapped under the inferior mesenteric artery. 
Individuals with Turner syndrome also have lymphatic problems, including lymphedema of the hands and feet, as well as cystic hygroma, which is swelling of the posterior triangle of the neck due to lymph obstruction. Now let's talk about disorders of sexual development, DSDs, which refer to discrepancies between individuals' genotypic and phenotypic sex. I think in order to discuss DSDs, we should do a quick review of some reproductive embryo. The process starts at conception when the gametes fuse into single cell of either XX or XY chromosomes, establishing the genetic sex of the embryo. But during the first five weeks of development, sexual development is basically identical. Can you recall the factor responsible for beginning testes development? So testes determining factor, which is expressed from the sex determining region of chromosome Y, aka SRY. Genetic females with XX genotypes will lack a Y chromosome, therefore lack the sex determining region, and therefore not produce testes determining factor. The result is ovaries develop instead. For males, as testes develop, so do seminiferous tubules, and with them Leydig cells, which are secreting testosterone, and Sertoli cells, which secrete what? What's needed for sexual differentiation that comes from Sertoli cells? So that would be anti-malarian hormone, or malarian inhibiting factor. Anti-malarian hormone prevents further development of the female reproductive system, via inhibition of malarian duct and degeneration into a structure called the appendix testis. Testosterone results in further development of the male reproductive system via the Wolfian duct. What about the external genitalia development? How is that determined or differentiated male and female? In males, testosterone is converted to the much more potent dihydrotestosterone, or DHT, by an enzyme called 5-alpha reductase. DHT results in differentiation to male genitalia starting around week 9. Females lack high testosterone levels, so female genitalia persists and develops. Okay, so that was a very brief overview, but now that that's out of the way, let's try to dive into some of these DSDs. Thinking back to the review that we just discussed, what or abnormality would occur in a genetic male, so 46XY, to result in external female genitalia with undescended testes present? So again, that's a genetic male, external female genitalia with undescended testes. So a genetic male has a Y chromosome, so the SRY, the sex-determining region, SRY region will still produce testes-determining factor. However, external female genitalia suggests that there was a lack of response to testosterone or DHT. Now, with these DSDs, having a good basic foundation of reproductive development I think can go a really long way. This genetic male with external female genitalia and undescended testes 
is describing androgen insensitivity syndrome. Androgen insensitivity syndrome occurs due to an X-linked recessive mutation in androgen receptor gene, causing androgen receptor dysfunction and end-organ insensitivity to androgens. These individuals present phenotypically female with vagina and breast development. However, on speculum exam, what do you think you would observe? So on speculum exam, you may observe a blind-ended vaginal pouch. This is due to uterine and fallopian tube agenesis. So why would the uterus and fallopian tube be absent? So anti-malarian hormone would still be secreted from Sertoli cells of the seminiferous tubules, meaning the malarian duct would still degenerate. The patient's testes would be undescended, or cryptorchid. They would be located intralabial, inguinal, or abdominal, and must be removed to prevent malignancy. Treatment can include estrogen or androgen supplementation, depending on gender identity and other patient factors. So that covers androgen insensitivity syndrome. Let's move on to our next DSD. What condition might I be describing if I said there was a genetic male with feminized or abnormal genitalia at birth that then masculinized and grew during puberty? So a genetic male with feminized genitalia at birth that masculinized during puberty. This describes 5-alpha reductase deficiency. Can you recall from our brief review what that role of 5-alpha reductase is? So remember, 5-alpha reductase is responsible for the conversion of testosterone to the more potent DHT. Genitalia is initially feminized in these patients, or abnormal, due to lack of DHT during fetal development. During puberty, however, the level of testosterone increases, resulting in masculinization of the genitalia. Male internal reproductive system develops normally, and testes will descend in puberty. Treatment of 5-alpha reductase deficiency again depends on gender identity at time of diagnosis. Those with female gender identity could choose to undergo gonadectomy and estrogen supplementation, while those with male identity could choose testosterone substitution. Sometimes surgery may be necessary to correct persistent cryptorchidism or possible hypospadias, which may develop. Alright, moving on to our next DSD. What if I said that during pregnancy, your patient complained of acne, voice deepening, and dark, thick facial hair? The baby born to that mother is genetically female, so 46XX, and is born with ambiguous external genitalia. What condition am I describing? 
This would be aromatase deficiency due to an autosomal recessive mutation in the CYP19A1 gene, which codes for aromatase. Normally, aromatase converts testosterone to estrogen. When there is a deficiency in this enzyme, the result is low estrogen and high testosterone. The mother in the clinical picture I just described was affected during pregnancy because some fetal androgen can cross the placenta. So for this baby, would you expect the internal reproductive system to be female or male? So the internal reproductive system would be female because this baby is genetically female, 46XX, and will be lacking testes determining factor and therefore also lacking anti-malarian hormone. When the baby reaches puberty, they'll likely experience impaired maturation of secondary sexual characteristics, primary amenorrhea, and features of virilization such as hirsutism and severe acne. It's possible, but much less likely, for a genetically male baby to have aromatase deficiency. If this occurs, they may have abnormal sperm production and small and undescended testes, and decreased sex drive. What condition would you think of if your teenage patient, male or female, complained that they weren't developing secondary sexual characteristics like their peers, and they also mentioned that they were born without the sense of smell? So this would be Kalman syndrome. This can occur in genetic males or females. In normal development, two types of neurons migrate from the olfactory placode in the brain. These are olfactory neurons and GnRH neurons, or gonadotropin-releasing hormone neurons. In Kalman syndrome, there's a defect in the migration of olfactory placode neurons resulting in anosmia, or lack of smell, and decreased GnRH secretion, GnRH being gonadotropin-releasing hormone. So with the decreased GnRH secretion, you'll have low levels of gonadotropins LH and FSH. So this would be hypogonadotropic hypogonadism, which means there's decreased gonad function because of decreased stimulation from the hypothalamus or pituitary. So again, that's hypogonadotropic hypogonadism. Males with Kalman syndrome have low testosterone. So what are some clinical presentations you might expect? So males with Kalman syndrome having low testosterone, that could result in primary sexual characteristic dysfunction like small penis and testes and low sperm count. It could also lead to secondary sexual characteristic dysfunction like lack of facial hair, low muscle mass, etc. So females with Kalman syndrome have low estrogen and progesterone. What are some clinical presentations you might expect? Females with Kalman syndrome having low estrogen and progesterone might lead to primary sexual characteristic dysfunction, so amenorrhea, 
but also secondary sexual characteristic dysfunction, such as lack of breast development, lack of pubic hair. But in both sexes, there's infertility as a result. Diagnosis of Kalman syndrome includes hormone evaluation showing low GnRH, low LH, low FSH, but normal levels of all other pituitary hormones. All right, last DSD we will discuss is precocious puberty, which refers to the development of secondary sexual characteristics at an early age. Do you know what ages are considered early or precocious for males and females? Precocious puberty in females is if puberty is occurring less than eight years old. For males, it's less than nine years old. Precocious puberty may be considered central or peripheral. Central precocious puberty occurs due to early maturation of the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, resulting in increased GnRH, so increased sex hormones. Central precocious puberty is often idiopathic, but could rarely be due to a functional hypothalamic tumor. Peripheral precocious puberty is due to GnRH-independent overproduction of sex hormones from ovaries or testes. Peripheral precocious puberty could be due to ovarian or testicular cyst or tumor, congenital adrenal hyperplasia, exposure to exogenous sex hormones, or McCune-Albright syndrome. Little side note here, but can you recall the classic triad of McCune-Albright? So the classic triad of McCune-Albright would be bone fibrous dysplasia, cafe au lait spots, and hyperfunctioning endocrinopathy, which includes, in our discussion, peripheral precocious puberty due to overproduction of sex hormones. Presentation of precocious puberty includes premature adrenarche in males, meaning hair growth, body odor, acne, and premature thalarchy and menarche in females, so breast development and first period. This also includes acceleration of linear growth and early somatic and skeletal maturity, meaning they may be taller than their peers with early growth spurts, but ultimately end up at a short adult height due to early epiphyseal plate closure. Treatment of precocious puberty really depends on if it's central or peripheral. For central precocious puberty, Treatment may include GnRH agonist medications, but peripheral treatment really depends on the underlying cause. So that covers sex chromosome disorders and disorders of sexual development. But before we end, let's wrap with a short rapid-fire review of some key topics that we discussed. What was the name of the process by which aneuploidy occurs? So remember, that's non-disjunction. What's the genotype of a phenotypic male with the most undiagnosed sex chromosome disorder and normal fertility?
So remember that's X, Y, Y. Do you remember what condition has the genotype XO? So that's Turner syndrome. So XO meaning monosomy, just one X chromosome. Which condition has the genotype XXY? So that would be Klinefelter syndrome. XXY is Klinefelter syndrome. Which cell type secretes anti-malarian hormone? Anti-malarian hormone is secreted from Sertoli cells of the seminiferous tubules. Which condition could present with a blind vaginal pouch and undescended testes in a genetic male? That would be androgen insensitivity syndrome. What condition could present with a genetic male with feminized genitalia at birth that masculinizes during puberty. That would be 5-alpha reductase deficiency. What condition may present with acne and hirsutism of the mother during pregnancy and genetically female baby born with ambiguous external genitalia? That would be aromatase deficiency. What condition may present with a teenage female complaining of anosmia, amenorrhea, and no breast development? That would be Kalman syndrome. Remember, that's defective migration of the olfactory placode neurons. Which type of precocious puberty is GnRH dependent, central or peripheral? Central precocious puberty is GnRH dependent. All right, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to revisit this topic later in your studying, try quizzing yourself again with the rapid review. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe to our podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please visit our website at spoonfulofsugar.org and post them under the links for this episode. Medical school is hard, but you aren't alone. Good luck with studying, and remember that if you ever have an SOS moment while studying, Spoonful of Sugar is always here to help the medicine go down. <laughs>